Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. I have a present truth message for us today. Of it's entitled Princes, Crown Princes and Kings. Princes, Crown Princes and Kings. Firstly, I'd like you to go with me to Galatians chapter 4 in verse 1. And it says, Now I say that the heir, so long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. It is a fact that all Christians, and that's what that song, Baruch Hashem Adonai, part of what he was singing, we who are Gentiles, remnant, we've now been grafted into the vine, and we've not only been grafted into the vine, we've been made part of the royal line. Some months ago, I taught about, you know, the spiritual dynasty of David. I was teaching about overcoming rebellion and all of that, and the um, um, imminent emergence of spiritual kings after the dynasty of David. This is a great truth and concept. And in uh, the book of Revelation, the apostle John says, he hath made us kings and priests. Every Christian is a potential king. That is why here in the book of Galatians, it says that the heir, we're all heirs of God, but so long as you remain a spiritual child, you're just like a servant. Even though, potentially, you are Lord of all. Because Jesus has bought everything from you. And that scripture says, in, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, it says, all things are yours. But of course, we know that in practice, we don't have all things in possession. But that's not the will of God. God wants us to grow. That, so the main purpose of this message is a motivational message. Spiritual motivational message. Not the normal motivational message, to motivate us. And God opened my eyes to see, you know, how and why we should um, aspire not just to become princes, but they are also crown princes. And then they are kings. Let's look at princes first. And I'm going to come to crown prince. And, of course, the example, the prototype is the Lord Jesus Christ. You will observe that uh, Jesus, even though he was a king, he was, not from a, he was not different from a servant when he was a child, when he was a baby, although the wise men came, but he wasn't king yet. You know, and then, you know, uh, he was 12 years old, you know, and he went to the temple. He wasn't king, he was just seven. Then he grew. And then he became a prince. I'm going to see in a few minutes. Then he became a crown prince. And then he became a king. These things are not automatic. They've already been purchased. Like Paul said in Philippians. He said that I may apprehend that which already have been apprehended. So Jesus already bought all of these things for us. So they are ours potentially. But then there are things we need to do. To come into the experiential 
uh, um, uh, um, knowledge of these things. It's not enough just to know them in our heads or even by revelation. Revelation is very important. But the purpose of revelation, when properly understood, is transformation. Revelation without transformation will lead to frustration. If I have revelation of something and I never get it, you know, I, you know, it's frustrating. You know, the Bible actually says that, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If I have a hope and I never, I never, I'm never able to actually attain it. Now, last week we preached on laying hold of this hope. And this uh, is some kind of continuation of the same message, but, you know, from a different perspective of princes and crown princes. Now, look at Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah 32, and uh, I'm going to look at verse 1, just verse 1. It says, Behold, behold means revelation, look and see. A king will reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. Here, God is giving Isaiah revelation about the body of Christ, the church that is going to come. He says, and amongst the church, there will be people who will reign in righteousness. That's not just right standing, it's also right doing. And princes will rule in judgment. Then in verse 2, it's talking about covering, but it's contextual, so I will, I will quote it. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, a covering from the tempest. Old King James says covert. As rivers of water in a dry place, as a shadow of a great rock. He's using different symbolisms or metaphors to describe what... Um, uh, kind of protection that comes from the king and the princes through intercession. When they pray for the people under their sphere of influence, these things are experienced. It becomes a hiding place from the wind. It becomes a covering from the tempest. It becomes a rivers of water in a dry place. Uh, it becomes a shadow, you know, uh, from the sun, you know, when, of a great rock. You know, if you're in a place where it's very sunny and there's a big rock you can go under the shadow of it then you feel cool because the sun is no longer beating directly on you all these are metaphors but they are a consequence of the operation of kings and princes now somebody's going to ask me a question and the question of course i'm sure is in our eyes what's the difference between a prince and a king i'm going to tell you in a minute you know let's look at it let's first of all look at it in the natural then we now go to the spiritual in the natural, for example, one monarchy, the whole world is, knows now is the English monarchy. So I'll use that as an example. Just before Queen Elizabeth died earlier on this year, she was the queen. Now her son, Charles, is now king. And then he has two sons, uh, Harry and um, William. But William is the crown prince. Harry is not the crown prince. William is the crown prince. When, before his mother died, um, Charles was the crown prince. In England, they call him Prince of Wales. And as, when you have many princes, you have some princes that become crown princes. That is, this is the prince who is going to become a king when the father dies or whoever it is on the throne. You can have a lot of princes... But it's not all of them that will be crown princes. Now, in our own case, let's come back to the spiritual now. 
every prince can become a crown prince. And every prince can therefore become a king. In fact, that's the will of God. Hence this message. And we have to understand where we are in terms of our spiritual uh, development index. You know, and the sad thing, honey, is that Christians are very unaware of uh, how to measure spiritual growth. It's one of the reasons for this message. It's a sad commentary, but I will tell you. Majority of God's people are servants. They're not even princes. They're not even princes. Some people, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, fifty years being a Christian, is still a, is still a servant. You're not a prince. So say, how do you know a prince? Genesis chapter 32. You know, this kind of truth is hidden truth. It's there in the Bible, but it's hidden. And you know how God hides his truth? He scatters it. He scatters it in different places in the Bible. You know, in, in, in a secular book, you know, which is not a spiritual book, you, if you want to find out, if you go to Google now, and you want to go and find something, he'll tell you everything about that thing in one place. The Bible is not like that. So even though the Bible talks about princes, you don't find everything about princes in, in one chapter and verse. You find a little here, like it says in Isaiah 28, here a little, there a little. It's deliberate it, because it is hidden. Not only is it hidden, uh, not only is it scattered, it is also hidden in symbols. In other words, God will use metaphors. He will use parables. He will use symbolic language. And if you don't understand the language of the Bible, the symbolic spiritual language of the Bible, you will read something and you will not know that's what he's talking about. Look at Isaiah, sorry, Genesis chapter 32. And uh, I'm going to look at verse 28. This is the account of Jacob. And uh, we all know the story of Jacob. Jacob was the uh, son of um, Isaac. Uh, Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. They were twins. Jacob was the most spiritual of the two of them. You know, I, uh, Esau was a carnal man. He just liked physical things. He wasn't, he didn't pay much uh, attention to spiritual things. But Jacob was more spiritual, but Jacob had a problem. He had a, a, a character that was trickery, you know. The, 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 you know, he was a, uh, a supplanter. You know, and he was used to that all his life. Um, and a, came, a time came in his life because God wanted him to inherit his spiritual. He wanted him to come into his destiny to inherit his spiritual uh, uh, inheritance. You know, because his father had pronounced it on him. He tricked his brother, you know, uh, and, and his mother too was, was a part of the scheme. You know, it was a, you know, like I always tell people, you know, Isaac wasn't really fully deceived. I knew Isaac knew. He said, the hand is the hand of Esau. 
He said, but the voice is the voice of Jacob. Someone said, oh, you know, he was an old man and he was blind. You know, why, you know, so he was deceived. He wasn't deceived. He was angry, but he wasn't deceived. You know how I know? Someone said, how do you know? If I was Isaac and I had any someone, I was going to call your brother. The solution is so simple. Go and call your brother. Okay, you, are, you say you are Esau. Oh, you brought my food. Okay, go and call your brother. I'm going to bless you in front of your brother so your brother will know that it is you I gave the blessing to. Why didn't Isaac do that? He knew. He had the suspicion and he knew. And he knew that Jacob was the most spiritual of the two boys. Go and read the account very well. You know, this is why we need to read our Bibles properly. Like I was explaining during the Bible study. When I read my Bible, I'm talking to the Holy Spirit at the same time. I read something and somehow I just pause. I say, Lord, I, I lift up my head because I'm talking to somebody. I've said the Lord always before me. So I say, Lord, Holy Spirit, you know, what's this? Show me more. And then he would give me some other scripture. The Bible says that this, this Esau, the Bible calls him a... I've forgotten the term he uses for him. It's in the book of Hebrews. You know. Anyway, I, though I don't remember the exact English verb, I'll tell you what it is. He, he despised his birthright. And, but even before then, he married two funny girls. Judith and one other one. I can't remember the name. He said they were a grief. Of, <laughs> they were a grief of heart to Isaac and Rebecca. Isaac you all that he's going to give that the, the, the blessing to somebody who has and, and he, silly girls he married them from Canaan all these funny you know Canaanite girls you know who are not of the um, stock of Abraham you know and he, he told them I don't want you to marry from these people you know, when Isaac was a young boy Abraham said, don't give, don't make, give him a wife amongst these people. He said, go to my country and bring somebody from my line. So when Esau married those two girls, he was out of his father's will. You know, but the thing about Isaac, uh, we parents need to learn this. He was emotionally attached to Esau. So even though he knew better that Esau should not get the... Um, Inheritance of the firstborn, even though he was firstborn, but technically he wasn't because they were twins. <laughs> you know, firstborn means this person was born. It just means that he came out first, you know. But, you know, they were all born on the same day. So technically, they, they're really the same age, you know. So he could have, you know, he could have told Esau that, you know, the way you're going, you're not going, you're going to lose your inheritance. You can marry all these kind of funny girls and, you know, going all over the whole place. But anyway, that's another message for another day. Isaac was not as, and Rebecca, they were not as uh, um, forthright, you know. He, he wasn't as strict with Esau as he should have been, you know. So when, when, when Rebecca, you know, now told Jacob to pretend as if he was Isaac, sorry, as if he was Jacob, uh, rather, as if he was Esau, you know, and he came, Isaac knew now. He said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hand is the hand of Esau. Any wise father at that time say, go and call your brother. Go and call your brother. 
I'm going to bless you so that your brother will know I've put the stamp of authority. Observe, anytime when God, when God calls a man and he wants to establish authority on him, he doesn't do it only alone. He does it alone when he calls you personally. But he also does it publicly. For instance, when he called Joshua, you know, he told Moses that Joshua's going to be your son. Then he said, now, in front of everybody, bring the whole of Israel, let him kneel down before you, lay your hands on him, and give him a charge. So he will have authority. Because he was young. And a lot of people will think, oh, you know, this small Joshua, how can he be? But because God said so, he did it publicly. So many times God, so he should have actually done that. He should have called Esau and said, you know, this is your brother and he's going to get the birth right now because X, Y, Z, and Y, you know. And there would have been no fight. Anyway, so he didn't anyway. So, this is years later now. Uh, uh, Jacob, you know, was used to supplanting and the trickster. He was, he knew God, but he didn't know God as well as he should. You know, and he had these aspects of his character, you know, that was not, that was flawed. Thank you, darling. You know, so, to call a long story short, you know, he's coming back, you know, after he went to Laban, Laban, the beguiler beguiled. He, 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 he came across a greater trickster than himself. That one tricked him and got him to spend 14 years to get, you know, the first daughter. And he gave him the, the wrong one in the middle of the night. You know, you know, when I read those stories in the Bible, uh, it just tells me that, you know, sometimes uh, 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 God and it's all written for our learning and our admonition. Are you going to tell me that if they bring a wrong person to you in the night, you won't know? <laughs> I know those days they didn't have electricity like we have, but they had lamps and things like that. Uh, are you Leah? <laughs> are you Rachel? Uh, no, 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 this is not Rachel. <laughs> anyway, another message for another day. You know, so he tricked him, you know, I, you know Jacob Jacob like women that's the truth that's the truth he knew and thought he could get away with it then Laban told him it's not like that because the, the, this other one is his junior sister this one is his senior sister so that's why I gave you the senior sister you cannot marry the junior without you know so that she will not be without husband so, so he said you walk another seven years And at the end of the day, God met him. And he had to, uh, let me, let's, let's read from um, verse 24. My punchline is verse 28, but I'm going to read from verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. You know, uh, spiritual lives are both corporate and individual. A lot of your prayer life is to be alone. And some of it is to be in a corporate environment. You must develop your own personal relationship with God. You can't read your Bible with other people. You have to read your Bible alone. Now, of course, you can come here to church like this and do Bible study like we're doing. But you must go back home and read your Bible alone. Where God will speak to you alone. Then what is giving you alone, you now bring it to the corporate and all of us get blessed. There's a great, it's, it's, a, it's a great truth. You can't 
Don't neglect the individual and don't neglect the corporate. You need both of them for completeness. Many years ago, God said that to me. I, I must mention it here. And it's also contextual in what I'm talking about. You know, when I first came back, you know, and I was, you know, I told you my story the other day. You know, I was living in that house before the West High Scripture Pasture. You know, I didn't have a bed. I didn't have a job for many months. It was my friends who used to contribute money to give me, you know, money to eat and, you know, put food into the house and everything. Anyway, so what happened was that we, we used to go to church. It's one of the things that motivated us to start Scripture Pasture. Because most of the church, all these denominational churches, the people were not born again. The only church that was a little bit evangelical was Oricha Mefa. Some of us used to go there, but, you know, the Baptists, they had their, they, they had their limitations. Let's just leave it like that. Wonderful brethren, you know. So, we all we go to IVCU. We go to um, uh, fellowship. It was Sunday afternoon. Always Sunday afternoon because everybody's back from church. So, usually, IVC usually from about maybe 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon till about 3 or 4, 5 o'clock in the evening. Occasionally, Pa Elton will come and teach us. And we'll also have some, they used to invite people. So, sometimes they will invite Idahosa. Sometimes they will invite uh, Brother Kumui. You know, and so on like that. Sometimes I would be invited to the glory of God, you know, to come and speak to the entire fellowship. So, God now told me, he said, if, if, what you're doing, uh, pray, I used to do a lot of praying by myself, read the Bible, got revelation, did uh, Romans and Ephesians, all those, I wrote in notebooks. Those notebooks are still in the church office. You know, I finished the whole New Testament between 1982 uh, you know, 81 to 84, about three years. We started Scripture Pastor in July 84. There's a reason why I'm telling you this story. And I grew. I grew a lot. I, I re- and I knew I was growing because I was, you know, get a lot of revelation. But even apart from that, even in my conduct, in my life, in my, in my way I was behaving, my, my temper, you know, all the things, so many things. I, I knew I was doing well, you know, spiritually, relatively speaking. But then God spoke to me one day. He said, you can never get into perfection in isolation. I'll never forget it. He said, you need a corporate environment that's going to, that's going to give more nutrition to you. That time I didn't know this Colossians chapter 2. You know, not holding the head, you know, with joints and bands. It was later on I got to know those scriptures. But he spoke that word to me, you know. And that was one of the reasons I said, he said make sure you go to fellowship. Always have you know, even though they may not be saying things, some of the things you are learning, but just even being in the fellowship and being around the brethren, there is a there is a nourishment that it gives to you. So I started going, you know, more regularly than I used to, you know, uh, 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 to the fellowship. But even that was not enough because they used to bring this guy this week, another guy next week, and the people were confused. So you know, my friend Larry Deco and I, we, we you know, I, I just said, look, we let's start a church, you know. We need a, in fact, this is what, we didn't call it church first. You know, we, we, we started as a church. But the idea was to have a uh, forum in which the word of God is taught on a consistent and systematic basis that will cause the saints to grow. Because if you hear Mr. X this week, and you hear Mr. Y next week, and you hear Mr. Z the third week, and they contradict each other, you will have confused saints. And that's what happened. And that's the thing that now led us to say, I'm going to start. Then I started teaching the Bible consistently and systematically. And the proof is there. 
but to the glory of God. You know, the people who start on this ministry by the grace of God over the years, you know, have people who have grown spiritually and many times have outgrown their peers. You know, if you go to many places where scripture pastor people are, you know, who maybe you know, left the church and gone to some other place, they're always the top, the top pastors and all of that. <laughs> In the land of the blind. It's the truth. You know, I, and I say that to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. You know, we, we, we discovered that, you know, many of our guys, they're way ahead of the other people. Yet, in scripture pastor, those sons, those people will not qualify for some things if they had stayed here. You know, that's the reason why some of them left. <laughs> but another message for another day. So, this Jacob, he had problems. So, he was alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Of the day. Well, now we know, know that it was an angel. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So we know he was not fighting a man. He was, he was wrestling with an angel. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.